Hello, everyone, and welcome to INE Live. I'm your host, Alexis Ahmed, and today I'll be giving you an introduction or a sneak peek, if you like, into my upcoming bootcamp on exploitation and post-exploitation tactics. If this is your first time watching, welcome. Uh, we are streaming live across social media platforms right now, including LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that uh, we want to hear from you. So if you want to get involved, we have two options for you. Uh, for the first, be sure to like, follow, or subscribe uh, with the notifications turned on for whichever platform you're using so you can see the next time we go live. For the second, feel free to drop any questions you might have uh, in chat with a queue in front uh, just so that we can track them and the mods will grab them and send them my way so that I can answer them. Now, uh, before we get started uh, with uh, this uh, demo or presentation, I would like to inform you that you can register for the bootcamp by clicking on the link in the description section or the link posted in the chat uh, or by visiting INE's bootcamp page. Uh, the bootcamp will be running for three days, starting from tomorrow, which is the 22nd of June, uh, all the way to the, to the 24th of June, which is Friday, and uh, the time will be from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's get started by getting an introduction to the bootcamp, after which I'll be taking you through a quick uh, lab demo or a scenario to showcase uh, the kind of topics that I will be covering in the bootcamp. So I'm just going to switch over to my slides and uh, you'll be able to see uh, you'll be able to see that and we'll be able to get started. So um, should be able to switch over to my slides now. There we are. All right. So uh, to get started, uh, this bootcamp is going to be focused on exploitation and post-exploitation tactics. All right. So who am I? You might be asking yourself. Uh, my name is Alexis Ahmed. I'm a senior penetration tester and red team at Hackexploit, and I'm also a red teamer here at uh, INE, a red team instructor here at INE. Uh, if you want to get uh, in touch with me, you can do so via my email, uh, which is posted uh, over here, or my Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's get an introduction to the bootcamp, right? So exploitation and post-exploitation tactics. What, what am I covering? Well, uh, firstly, I think it's important that we understand the importance of exploitation and post-exploitation in the context of uh, a penetration test, right? So exploitation and post-exploitation are, are an important part of the penetration testing lifecycle and will ultimately define the overall success of a penetration test. That's quite telling. And I'm sure uh, for those of you who are penetration testers, uh, you are acutely aware of that, right? Now, this bootcamp is uh, designed for beginners and more so uh, intermediates uh, that have some experience in pen testing or blue teaming. And I'll explain why. Uh, and, uh, you know, who are looking to improve their knowledge of initial access and post-exploitation techniques. Now, one thing that's uh, very important to state here is that this bootcamp is going to be built on the MITRE ATT&CK framework and will cover various TTPs, that is tactics, uh, techniques, and procedures in order to provide you with a better understanding of what tools adversary use and the techniques they employ during their campaigns. So the objective here is to sort of introduce you, uh, you know, within the bootcamp to the MITRE ATT&CK framework and to show you how you can use it uh, either as a penetration tester or a red team or even someone who works on the defensive side of things to essentially show you how to use that framework to get a better understanding of the initial access and post-exploitation uh, TTPs that are used uh, you know, by uh, adversaries. So uh, who is this bootcamp for? 
Well, as I said, uh, there's really three uh, groups or you know types of individuals. Firstly, and uh, you know not surprisingly, we have penetration testers or you know generally speaking, information security professionals who are looking to get a better understanding of how to perform various exploitation and post-exploitation techniques. So. From the perspective of a penetration tester, you know, you might want to learn about uh, specific initial access uh, or post-exploitation techniques. That's what this bootcamp is for. Uh, the second type of individual or the second group of individuals are, of course, red teamers, right? So you might be asking yourself, well, how does, uh, you know, what benefit would a red teamer get from this? Well, if you're looking to improve your knowledge of adversarial TTPs for the purpose of uh, adversary emulation, then uh, this is going to be very useful. The reason for that is when you're a red teamer and when you're performing adversary emulation, it's uh, very important uh, to have an understanding of what techniques, uh, you know, and sub techniques adversaries utilize during their campaigns. And when performing adversary emulation, you'll typically be trying to model, uh, you know, a, a particular threat or a particular APT group. So having a, a tacit understanding of uh, some of these, uh, you know, TTPs is very, very important. And then, of course, we have blue teamers. So again, you might be asking yourself the question, uh, why would a blue teamer, you know, find value in this particular bootcamp? Well, uh, you know, it's really designed for blue teamers who are looking to improve the understanding of, advers uh, of adversarial TTPs in order to better understand uh, adversaries and the way they operate. So from a blue team perspective, your job is to defend, uh, you know, infrastructure. And you can't really defend uh, a company's or an organization's infrastructure if you don't understand uh, what adversaries do, the techniques they employ, and the tools they use. So this bootcamp will also uh, be covering that side of things. So you know we'll be talking a little bit about uh, defense, uh, you know, the red team side, and also a little bit of purple teaming when it comes down to adversary emulation and uh, sort of how you can utilize this information to, you know, for example, uh, construct an adversary emulation plan. Right, so uh, this bootcamp, uh, let's uh, let's actually take a look at uh, the actual structure of the bootcamp. As I said, it's gonna be a three-day bootcamp where on day one, we're gonna be focused primarily on initial access techniques, and this will not be uh, limited to Windows or Linux. We're gonna be covering them both. So to begin with, uh, we'll be getting an understanding or an introduction to the MITRE attack framework and sort of understanding how it can be used by all uh, by all fields within cybersecurity, whether it be red team, blue team, etc., And then we'll get started by taking a look at uh, the various initial access techniques, right? So to start off, we'll be exploring, uh, you know, exploiting public facing applications. I've just posted the technique uh, ID there so that you can actually go ahead and uh, check it out uh, on the MITRE ATT&CK uh, framework website. Uh, exploiting public facing applications essentially entails yeah, exploiting what's publicly, what's been made public available by a company or an organization that's typically going to be a web application or a database or maybe even an API. We'll then move on to exploiting external remote services, right? So these are services that have been exposed by the company or, or, or organization. So, you know, we'll be talking about services like SMB, not really focused on CVEs, but, you know, tied to SMB, but more so inherent uh, mis configurations that can be exploited within services like SMB, uh, FTP, SSH, etc. And then, of course, we're going to be exploring one that uh, a technique or rather sub technique that is being uh, that is becoming increasingly important or incre increasingly 
uh, popular with APT groups and, you know, for a long time, obviously. And that, of course, is initial access via spear phishing. So we'll be taking a look at how to set up a phishing campaign. Uh, and of course, uh, this, you know, will will have all aspects, uh, you know, explored, whether it be on the offensive side or on the defensive side. And then finally, uh, we'll be covering initial access via a drive-by compromise. This is typically in the form of a web delivery payload. Uh, so we'll be exploring how they work, how web delivery payloads work, and how our adversaries have implemented them uh, within their campaigns to essentially, you know, gain access to a a target system or a target network. And uh, from the blue team side, we'll be exploring what can be done to essentially, you know, defend against these types of attacks. Uh, so that's day one. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to move on to day two, which will cover Windows post-exploitation tactics. So we'll start off uh, by, you know, taking a look at how to perform local enumeration on Windows. Uh, and we'll be exploring uh, all types of solutions or frameworks. And we'll also be taking a look at how to do this manually, uh, while also keeping in mind that uh, during a typical penetration test or red team uh, assessment, you will need to, uh, you know, be very cautious of what you do on a target system. So the objective there is to sort of enumerate as much information as possible from a target system to learn more about, uh, you know, what other what other systems are connected to it via maybe an internal network. Learn about all the users on the system, uh, all the groups, uh, any misconfigurations that can be exploited, either a for the purpose of privilege escalation or b for the purpose of credential access. Once we've done that, we're going to be taking a look at privilege escalation techniques, right? So. Uh, the examples or the techniques we'll be focusing on are going to be around valid accounts. So uh, this will be uh, quite, um, th th this will really not be that specific to any particular sub-technique, but we'll be exploring, uh, you know, some of the weaknesses or misconfigurations that you'll typically find on Windows systems that could lead to the exposure uh, of uh, credentials for, you know, accounts already on the system or valid accounts for that matter. And then, of course, we are going to take a look at the abuse elevation control mechanism, which essentially means, uh, for those of you who are, who are experienced, bypassing UAC in order to elevate your privileges, if that can be done. And that's more pertinent to more uh, modern versions of Windows. And then, of course, we'll take a look at access token uh, manipulation or uh, access token impersonation, if you will. We'll be taking a look at how to impersonate uh, you know, privileged access tokens to elevate your privileges. Uh, we're then going to be exploring persistence, right, which is self-explanatory. Once you've gained access to a target system and you've elevated your privileges, you then need to establish persistent access to that system. And of course, this can be done beforehand, uh, but you, the techniques that will be available um, to you if you set up persistence before elevating your privileges will be fairly minimal. So that's why we're doing it after. And the uh, specific techniques we'll be exploring are uh, essentially having an auto start execution of either a script or a binary that, uh, you know, when executed will either provide you with a reverse shell or some form of command injection or, you know, remote code execution on the target system so that you have, uh, you know, constant or per uh, persistent access on the target system. And of course, we'll take a look at how to set up a scheduled task or job, which again ties into the same thing. We want to make sure that we have persistent access to the target system. And then finally, we'll be taking a look at uh, credential access, which also falls into, uh, you know, post-exploitation or, you know, it is a post-exploitation 
uh, tactic. So we'll be taking a look at OS credential dumping on Windows. I'll be explaining the different uh, types of hashes and how they can be cracked, how, how they can be dumped uh, with a plethora of tools. And of course, we also need to be cognizant of, uh, uh, of the fact that we need to evade detection or we need to be very quiet when doing this. So that's also something we'll be exploring. And then finally, on the, on the last day or on day three, we'll be repeating the same process with minor differences on Linux. So again, we'll take a look at how to perform local enumeration on Linux. The objective here is again, to enumerate as much information as possible from the system that you have just compromised. Once we've done that, we'll then move on to privilege escalation on Linux. And in this particular case, we'll be taking a look at some of the most popular techniques that we've seen uh, been employed uh, by APT groups. So one of them, or you know, both of them fall under abuse elevation control mechanism as a technique. Uh, but uh, under the sub techniques, we have set UID and set GID binaries, which if, um, if uh, improperly configured can allow, you know, a uh, non-privileged user to elevate the privileges uh, relatively easily. And then of course, we have the same for pseudo. So we'll be taking a look at how to uh, sort of exploit misconfigurations or inherent vulnerabilities within sudo to elevate our privileges. And then, of course, we'll move on to persistence. So we'll take a look at scheduled tasks, uh, which more specifically we'll be exploring cron. So we'll take a look at how to, you know, set up persistent access to a Linux box uh, by setting up a cron job that then, you know, does something that an attacker would typically do that could either be connect to a listener or to, you know, execute a particular command or, you know, a particular piece of code. Um, and then of course we have the web shell, um, the, the web shell sub technique, which falls under server software component, uh, web shells are, you know, very, very common and very popular, especially right now amongst, uh, some of the, uh, newer APT groups, but also, uh, amongst, uh, some of the older, you know, veteran APT groups. And that's the example that we'll be exploring today. We'll be taking a look at how we can utilize a web shell to establish persistent access, uh, you know, on a Linux target. Uh, and of course that is a sub technique. And then finally, and, uh, you know, uh, most importantly, we're going to be exploring lateral movement as a post exploitation tactic. And, uh, that is going to essentially involve, uh, you know, pivoting and port forwarding, uh, through or via the exploitation of remote services on the system that you'd like to pivot to. So again, it's uh, fairly simple to understand. We gain access to a target system, and then we want to move laterally through the target network. And we're going to be exploring the, the actual technique of exploiting a remote service on a system that we would like to, uh, we would like to exploit or gain access to via the system that we've already exploited, also known as pivoting. Uh, with that being said, before we get started with the next phase, uh, let me take a look at some of your questions uh, so that I can try and answer them. Um, so there we are. Uh, does the bootcamp have some testing environment for practice? That's by Bodan. Uh, yes, it does. Um, the bootcamp uh, will be recorded. So after the bootcamp is concluded, you'll have access to the videos or the recorded version of the bootcamp in addition to the labs that were used uh, so that you can actually go ahead and follow through with the techniques that have been highlighted. Uh, Naveen Kumar, uh, is this bootcamp paid uh, or free? The bootcamp is behind a, an, an INE subscription or you have the ability to buy uh, access to it uh, at a one-off uh, cost. Um, let's see if we can answer any more questions. It doesn't look like we have any more. So I think we can proceed with the 
uh, next phase of this presentation. So as a practical demo, uh, to sort of give you an idea as to what we'll be covering or the type of content we'll be covering, uh, let's take a look at uh, one of the sub-techniques the sub that you know, I really wanted to showcase, and that is, of course, persistence via a web shell. And uh, in order to do this, what, uh, what we need to do firstly is we need to get an understanding of what a web shell is and uh, where it's been used or by whom uh, it's been used with regards to APT groups. Um, so a web shell is essentially a web script that is hosted on a web server for the purpose of executing commands, also known as command injection. Now, believe it or not, web shells were once utilized legitimately uh, by system administrators, by developers, etc. However, not surprisingly, they were easily weaponized by adversaries, right? Uh, because if you think of it, a web shell allows you to execute uh, remote code on a web server. Uh, now that, you know, is very useful for developers or for system administrators. However, the issue with that is if anyone gains access to that particular web shell, uh, maybe an, adver an adversary, then you, you can pretty much guess what they're going to use that type of access to do. So, uh, you know, it actually became uh, quite a um, quite a popular uh, technique or sub-technique rather uh, that was employed by, uh, you know, adversaries primarily because it's uh, very clandestine and you'll actually see why. If no proper security mechanisms are put in place or no proper logging of the web server and all requests uh, is put in place, uh, you know, a web shell can be a very, very good uh, or very effective way of maintaining persistent access to a target server. All right, so, you know, adversaries will typically backdoor web servers or really any types of servers with web shells to establish persistent access to systems. An example of this are, is APT32 and APT38. APT38 is uh, Lazarus, uh, thus the, the North Korean APT group, and APT32 is uh, an APT group from Vietnam that targeted financial institutions around the world. Uh, what they did, or what both of them did, was essentially you know, target specific web servers being used by these financial institutions, uh, preferably ones that were not behind any type of uh, security mechanism or any type of uh, security, uh, you know, cybersecurity uh, infrastructure. And, uh, you know, they also further narrowed down uh, their choices to the ones that one were not actively being uh, interacted with by system administrators and essentially, you know, employed backdoors in them in the form of web shells uh, and, uh, you know, essentially maintain persistent access to all of the, the servers that they had compromised. All right, so as I've said, uh, web shells provide adversaries with uh, clandestine persistent access to compromised systems and are, you know, generally speaking, very difficult to detect if no proper logging or security mechanisms are in place. Now, for the example that I'll be showing you, uh, we're going to be taking a look at a very, very basic web shell. Uh, of course, when you talk about APT groups and uh, the the types of uh, defense evasion uh, techniques or tools that they use, they'll typically employ a backdoor uh, or a rootkit, a very low-lying low rootkit, if you will. Uh, there are also some, um, some rootkits that work uh, or have been configured to work as Apache modules. So they can be really clandestine and can be very difficult to spot, especially if the, the, the target server is not, being, uh, is not being actively protected and doesn't have uh, you know, any of its logs being shipped uh, for analysis because you know, um, if that's being done, 
then a web shell you know can be identified really quickly based on the arguments that are being supplied to it uh, in the form of get requests uh, with that being said uh, before i start up the lab environment i'm just going to try and answer a couple of uh, questions here and uh, if you have any you can post them now and uh, we'll i'll try and answer them before we actually get started All right, uh, doesn't look like we have any questions. So I'm just gonna start up the lab environment and I'll, I'll share my screen and we can take a look at how we can utilize a very basic web shell um, to maintain persistent access uh, to a Linux uh, server or a Linux target. Now, again, one thing that is also very important is you know that this is not really platform uh, specific, uh, you know, web shells can be employed, uh, you know, on both Windows Server as well as Linux servers. Uh, it really, you know, it really doesn't. Um, it, it's you know, it really doesn't matter what type of operating system uh, you have gained access to. So let me just uh, open up the lab here, and I should be able to share my screen uh, shortly. So let me just uh, make sure that is set up. So there we are, and uh, there we go. All right, looks like we have a question from Bodan uh, Lukin. What about persistence where, where web software is not present? Uh, that's also something that we'll be exploring uh, within the bootcamp itself. So, you know, we'll be exploring different types of persistence uh, techniques and, uh, you know, when they can be employed uh, based on, you know, what type of, um, what type of defenses are present as well as the, the targets uh, configuration. Um, all right, so I think we're ready to go with the actual lab itself. So if you can see my screen, I think we're good to go. In this particular lab, uh, we are starting off from a point of uh, where, whereby we're already assuming that the target system has been compromised and we have some form of access to it. In this case, uh, the type of access that we have to the target is via SSH. So I'm just going to open up, uh, I'm just going to type in ifconfig so I can identify the target IP here. So I'll just copy the IP associated with the uh, interface Ethernet 1, and I'll just SSH into the target box. So we're assuming we've already obtained these credentials. So I'll just paste that in there, and the target IP is uh, the third IP within the subnet. So there we go. And I'll just type in the password, and there we are. So we have uh, access to the target system uh, called victim1 as the user student. Uh, we currently have uh, unprivileged access, which means we don't have any root privileges or we're not part of the pseudo group, which is perfectly fine. This technique will work uh, just fine if we can make changes uh, to the directory where the actual uh, web application is being hosted. So uh, to begin with, uh, let's perform some basic enumeration just to highlight, uh, you know, how what exactly we're going to do. So you can see we're running the Linux kernel 5.4.0. And if I display that you can see it's Ubuntu 18.04.3 and within the students home directory we have a specific uh, binary here uh, that uh, we will actually become will, will come in handy in a few seconds but uh, it'll actually show you uh, how important persistence is primarily if your initial access vector is actually uh, blocked or uh, later down the line is actually patched if you exploited the target system uh, through a vulnerability. If you lose that initial access vector, 
you know, then uh, the the actual web shell can be a, another way of getting back into the system or maintaining persistent access. So before we start doing any of that, uh, let's get an understanding of what web server is running on this particular system. So if I just display a list of all the processes, we can see that we have an Nginx uh, worker process here. And that is owned by the service account www.data, which makes sense. And uh, by default, whenever you're dealing with Nginx or Apache, the default directory where you know the, the actual web application or website is stored is going to be under var uh, www and HTML. So you can see within that particular directory, we have the uh, the default boilerplate uh, index file here. So that's index uh, nginx debian.html. So you can see that this is owned by the root user, uh, but we can make changes to this in order before we actually do that. Let's verify that we can. So for uh, www, let's just take a look at the permissions here. So yeah, it looks like everyone on the system uh, can read and write, uh, you know, changes or make changes to this particular directory and all the, uh, the, the, the files within that directory. And we can also execute, um, we can also execute files or binaries. Um, so in order to set up the web shell, we're going to be setting up a fairly simple web shell with PHP. That's because this is a lamp stack. Uh, if we were on windows or we had exploited a windows system, then we would have generated an ASP uh, you know, an, an ASP web shell, and that will typically fall under the uh, the resource development um, tactic within the MITRE attack framework. So I'll just navigate into the var www HTML directory here. And uh, what I'll do here is let me open up, I'll just say Vim, and I'll call it, uh, you know, I can call it whatever I want. Now, when performing this, you know, in a real world environment, uh, you want to make sure that the name isn't indicative of the function, right? So the worst thing that you could do, uh, you know, and this is something that will be easily detected, is to call it reverse shell or web shell. So ideally, you'd like to give it a name that fits within the naming, uh, the naming structure of the web application. Now, in this case, we don't have a web, web application. It's just a, you know, vanilla nginx uh, server right and we don't have any 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 web applications or any files being hosted so we, for the purpose of simplicity we'll just call it shell.php right and uh, as i said we're going to be creating a very simple one so you know we can just uh, open up the php tags here and we're going to be we're, we're going to create a variable called output uh, and then we're going to utilize the php shell exec function so uh, shell exec, and then we're going to specify the get variable, which is used to store uh, the data that is obtained from a request. So um, uh, we can actually just specify it directly. So uh, we'll say uh, get, so that is the get variable. Uh, that's a global variable. And then we can specify the parameter uh, to use. Um, and this will tie into the command injection. This will make sense when we'll be performing it. But typically, you'll see, uh, you know, most um, most uh, basic web shells will use the parameter CMD, and then you can specify the value that you would like to be processed or executed by the web shell. So we'll just say CMD in this case. Of course, that can be changed based on uh, your own requirements. And uh, what we can do now is let's uh, specify that we want to output or echo the output produced by the actual execution of the command that we'll be passing through uh, in the form of a GET request. 
So we'll say uh, echo output. That's the sorry. That's the uh, output variable that we had created, and um, we can then close the PHP tag like so. So uh, that looks okay, and uh, we can then write and quit. All right. So this um, shell.php um, file is accessible on the web server. Uh, and um, what we can do now is let's navigate back to the directory of the the home directory of the student user. And remember that we have that wait file here, the wait binary. If we remove it, what it's going to do is it's going to simulate uh, it's going to simulate a scenario where your uh, your access to the target system via the initial access um, vector that you had used is actually patched or is terminated. So if I just say remove uh, wait. And I give that, there we are, a couple of seconds, you can see the connection is closed. And if we try and SSH into that box again, via the credentials that we had obtained, you can see that uh, we'll not be able to authenticate uh, successfully. So uh, even though I've provided the correct password, that's not going to work. So um, given the fact that this lab environment doesn't provide you with a GUI interface, uh, how do we test this um, this web shell. This is a very uh, simple command injection web shell where you can pass in the commands that you'd like to execute through the actual um, parameter value. So uh, an example of this, uh, if we wanted to execute some commands on the system is we could use a tool like curl and make a get request. Uh, before I do that, let me just make sure I identify the target IP because again, this is not static. I'm just going to copy that value there. And we can say curl, and we're making a request. So HTTP, and uh, I can then you know paste in the value there. I'm going to change that to a three because that's the actual target IP, and the name of the file is shell.php, and then we specify uh, the name of the parameter that we had specified within the web shell, which in this case is CMD, and then we can execute whatever command uh, that we want on the target system. So an example of this would be, who am I? I'll just close the quotes there. So if I hit enter, you can see it's executed successfully uh, on the on the web server. And uh, uh, because it's executed uh, by the web server, it's going to um, inherit the actual execution of this command will be uh, will fall under the privileges of the www data service account, which is a non privileged uh, account. But again, uh, this means that you still have access uh, to the target system. So let's try and run a couple of other commands here just to show you how this works. And then I'll show you, uh, uh, you know, I'll show you another tool that attackers would typically use uh, to obtain some form of a shell uh, or a pseudo shell, pseudo with a P. Uh, so if I type in ID, you can see that displays the ID data there. And then, of course, if there is some of uh, some form of filtering by a web application firewall, then, of course, these types of uh, parameters, especially the keyword CMD, is something that's going to be blocked. So as I said, be very cognizant of the fact that, uh, uh, you know, all of the uh, or the way you design the web shell uh, needs to actually be uh, done in a way uh, to, to sort of evade, uh, you know, detections by even some of the most simplistic web application firewalls like mod security. So uh, another example, as I said, is if we say, for example, um, let's say list the home directory and then student, let's see if that's executed correctly. You can see we have the flag there. And then of course we can cap the content of the flag. 
Now, this is uh, this is all you know, well and good, or uh, you know, it's it's really you know, uh, there, there's nothing special here. As I said, another tool uh, that attackers would typically use uh, once they have a um, a you know, even if it's a very very rudimentary uh, web shell, is uh, they would typically use a tool like Comics uh, whenever they wanted to get some form of a shell on the target system. So Comics is an uh, command injection tool, uh, as you can see here. This is an automated all-in-one operating system command injection and exploitation tool. And it essentially allows you, most importantly, uh, to identify com command injection vulnerabilities in websites. But in our case, we're already looking at it or we're going to be using it from the perspective of an adversary who has already gained initial access to a target system. So in, in order to use it, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get rid uh, of this here and um, I'll just modify my previous command with curl and we can say comics. And at the moment, we don't need to specify any special parameters. We specify the URL flag. And uh, let me just uh, clear my screen so you can see that uh, much better. And uh, what will happen when I hit enter is it's going to begin the wizard, uh, the comics wizard. There we are. So it's going to you know, check the connection to the target URL. It's going to ask me whether I recognize the server's operating system. In this case, I know it's a Unix-based operating system or Unix-like uh, in the case of Linux. Uh, there we are. As you, uh, as, as you can see, it's going to set the get parameter CMD for tests. It's then going to test uh, the classic command injection technique via results. And the get, uh, the get parameter CMD seems injectable. So you know we get a payload, and then it asks you right over here if we want a pseudo terminal shell. So if I hit yes, it's going to provide me with a very basic uh, web shell, if you will, through my terminal. Uh, and this is all being executed through the web server. So, you know, for example, I can, again, just type in the commands I typed in previously. And you can see it takes a couple of seconds to actually, uh, you know, produce the output. That's because uh, the actual requests are being uh, sent through the web server, in, you know, in the form of GET requests. So, for example, we can head over into Home Student. And uh, there we are. You can see because it's a pseudo shell, we can't really navigate to a particular directories because this is not really a terminal session. Uh, so ideally, what we would need to do is a home uh, student, and uh, we can then say you know flag.txt, and that should display the flag there. So yeah, uh, th these are the types of techniques I will be exploring. Of course, we'll be exploring them in a bit more depth. However, you know, for the purpose of this presentation and with, uh, the, with the fact that we have to be uh, cognizant of the time, uh, that's uh, one of the techniques uh, that, uh, you know, I wanted to highlight. Uh, and with that being said, uh, this is where I'm sort of going to conclude the presentation. So I'm going to now, uh, you know, turn over to your questions. So if you have any questions, uh, feel free to post them now so that I can answer them. So um, I will try and turn over to the questions here. There we are. So let me see if we have any new questions. Uh, so we have a question from Bowden Lukin. Are you considering post requests instead of get requests? I think this might reduce the detection rate since all get requests will, will be seen in the web server logs. Yep, that's true. As I said, th these are things that we'll be exploring uh, you know, in the bootcamp, we'll be exploring different scenarios and when to actually use one technique over the other. Uh, in this case, uh, you know, pr 
primarily because there wasn't any uh, logging in place, uh, you know, we, we, we could easily, you know, just use get requests. But as I said, um, in, uh, in infrastructure or on servers that have logging, uh, you know, then we would typically need to revert to a more, much more clandestine web shell. And of course, access uh, being made to the target system via that web shell will need to be limited because, you know, if too much traffic is going to a particular page or a particular file with specific parameters and, and values and their consequent values, then, you know, that's also suspicious. Um, we have a question from DOS. This bootcamp also help. Uh, can this bootcamp also help on AD privilege escalation? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll be exploring a couple of uh, AD uh, AD techniques. Uh, not really tied to privilege escalation, but they can be they can be applied in an Active Directory environment. We'll probably be covering Active Directory uh, within its own bootcamp, primarily because that's a, a much more specialized uh, you know topic. So. Um, if you have any more questions, I don't see anything uh, else here. Um, but yeah, feel free to ask any questions and I'll be sure to answer them. All right. Um, it doesn't look like we have any, uh, any more questions. So uh, I think this is where I'm going to uh, wrap up the stream for today. Thank you very, very much for watching. Uh, if you missed it live, uh, you can look for the replay across uh, our social channels and on the INE website. Uh, just a quick reminder, we'll be live again uh, next week uh, on Tuesday, uh, June the 28th, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you again. Uh, be sure to like, follow, or subscribe uh, on your choice of social platform with notifications turned on so that we can stay or so that you can stay in the loop uh, for details on, on, on our next stream and hear about our community giveaways. As always, bring your questions next week. Uh, we, we'll see you next time. And until then, have a great week. Bye.